Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to join me in the book of Proverbs 10. And uh, we're going to be joining connecting with the last couple of Wednesday nights we've been teaching from the book of Proverbs as I've mentioned a couple of times not a verse by verse study but uh, so if you will just follow along on the screen we may be moving a little bit faster than you would be comfortable trying to do that but uh, let's pray that the spirit of God would just touch the word to our hearts this evening and um, we call our Wednesday evening service light for living and uh, we, we call it that on purpose because it's, it's one thing to shout about it on Sunday, but we need to figure out what we're shouting about at some point. Amen? And we need to figure out how not to just, uh, sometimes we, some people want to live just in a, in a realm of, of uh, praise. And there's nothing wrong with praising the Lord, but every now and then our feet have got to hit the ground. And so someone said it's not how high you jump, but it's how straight you walk when your feet hit the ground. And so Wednesday night, in addition to our worship and praise, is just sitting down with the Word of God, and let's figure out how to be what God has called us to be. The book of Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 19, Proverbs 10 and 19, and uh, we'll be going to various chapters and passages as we travel here. But the Bible says, In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. Another translation of that says this, the more talk, the less truth. The wise measure their words. Amen. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us this evening. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. I thank you so much for allowing us to be here just in this service tonight. Now I ask you, Lord, to help us take the spirit of praise and worship. What a sweet presence we felt already up to now. But help us to take that, God, into this portion of our service as well. And let your anointed word touch our heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you may be seated if you'd like in Jesus' name. We live in an hour of, of many, many words. If you have ever attempted to read, uh, as those of you who are on the computer very often if you're downloading software or an app of any kind. There's always a terms of service agreement that pops up there, and I'm sure everybody reads those word for word, surely. Surely we read those word for word. Just like we read all the warranties word for word and all the contracts that we sign. And we live in a very wordy society, very wordy to society to say the least. And um, so many times we find ourselves kind of a little perplexed by those, um, by those situations or circumstances. And to be honest with you, many times we don't know what to do. And so many times we just click yes or sign our names and move forward. Can I get an amen? 
<laughs> Yet the Ten Commandments contain just 297 words. The 23rd Psalm has only 118 words. And the Lord's Prayer is only 56 words. And so if we contrast the value of these three mentioned passages, it proves that you don't have to have a lot of words to have a lot of substance. And so in these three illustrations, the Ten Commandments, the 23rd Psalm, or the Lord's Prayer, there's a wealth of understanding and a wealth of knowledge that's passed to us. And so as we continue to study what God's Word has to say about wisdom, we've been studying from the life of Solomon, we're going to look at how we choose our words, how we use them every day and pray that God would help us to do that in a wise manner. You can be the most knowledgeable person in the entire world and yet not know how to choose your words carefully or use them properly and we'll wind up in trouble each and every time. Even if we have knowledge in a given area, even when we may be dealing in a field of expertise, so to speak, the Bible still yet instructs us to choose our words wisely. When Paul wrote to the Ephesian church, he gave them instructions and he gave them some pretty specific, uh, he spoke specifically, I think, to so many offices and ministries in the book of Ephesians. And then he said in the book of Ephesians 4, and I want to read 14 and 15, these are the instructions that Paul gives. He says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head even Christ. And so we may even be familiar with this particular passage of Scripture, but when we read that, that last portion of that, speaking the truth in love, that's an element that we cannot afford to overlook or we cannot just skip over that and the responsibility of that. There is no doubt in my mind at all that we have a mandate to speak the truth. There's no doubt in my mind that God is going to hold us accountable for what we know that we may not share. And so the truth is, is what people are searching for, and that's what they're hungry for. And so if we have an answer, then we need to search for that. But just as importantly, uh, or just as important as it is to speak the truth in love, to speak the truth, rather, it is just that important to speak that in a manner that people can receive it. Amen. And so we can speak forthright. You can be very direct especially concerning the Word of God, but we've got to speak the Word of God in love. And many times speaking, when we talk about that, uh, people look at that as a sign of weakness or a sign of ignorance, and I'll, I'll tell you tonight that it's neither. To be able to speak the truth in love is actually a sign of maturity. To be able to say what ought to be said in a manner and in a fashion that, that people can receive that. If you consider the 10th chapter of Matthew, when Jesus commissioned his disciples, he said in Matthew 10, 16, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. And so here is the commission. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And so he didn't send the church just kind of blundering into the world, feeling and groping our way in, in the dark uh, without any backbone, without any authority, or without any message. He said, but therefore when we go, you need to be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. You need to know what you're doing 
and be well prepared for that. The Lord knew that the message that had been imparted and, and entrusted into the hands of these men was a very powerful message. And he said that the word of God was quick and sharper than any, powerful and quick and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so he knew that the message that these men bore in their hearts was a powerful message. It was a message that can give life, or really and truly it's a message that can take life. And so he commanded them to be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. And so he said, you're going to have to learn how to handle this message and handle, with it, handle it without being harmful in the process. I've used this illustration a lot, so bear with me if you've heard it before, but every day in our world somebody uses a knife to save a life or somebody uses a knife to take a life. It just depends on what their motive is. And so to the surgeon who has dedicated themselves and dedicated many years of their life to the well-being of humanity, they pick up a sharp instrument to save our life. But to the criminal, they, they take up an object to take our life, and it's all driven by motive. And so if, our, if we are motivated by the Spirit, the presence of God, and if we are blanketed by the kingdom purpose of God, then we can take that message, no matter how straight, into a world that's hurting and we can preach it without fear and favor. And so as the church, we are commissioned to preach hope to the hopeless. But within that commission, it is understood a, a duty that we must declare hope that cannot be found anywhere else but in Jesus Christ. And that's not a big deal because we all believe that here tonight. That doesn't raise any eyebrows because we're all on common ground. But I'll promise you that in our world, and actually you wouldn't have to drift probably too far from these four walls, to stand and declare that the only hope you can find in this world is Jesus Christ puts you in a position of a place to, to defend that statement. Amen. Because everybody doesn't believe in Jesus. And so we're in a combat. He said we can't find any hope. That he is the door. He's the way. He's the life. And so we are commissioned and we understand the duty that we have to preach to this world. Our only hope is Jesus Christ. And so that message within itself will draw some people to it. But that message will also repel others from it. But in fulfilling that commission, we, uh, we never have a license to kill. We never have a license to wound others with our words. We're going to have to give an account for that as well. And so here Paul is speaking kind of corporately. He's, he's speaking to the church at large. But then if we boil it all down, we realize that the church is not just a foreign entity, but the church is really you and I. It's individuals. It's men and women that are sitting like you that are sitting in this building here tonight. And so it's now not just a corporate word to a vast or mass body, but it's an individual word to each and every one of us. And so with that said, we have to ask ourselves, how do we deal with one another on a day-to-day -day basis? Because it's a whole lot easier to get along at large than it is to get along individually. <laughs> Amen. And so how should we treat one another? How should we talk to one another? And uh, so we're the body of Christ. We're the family of God. The Bible, and specifically the book of Proverbs, has a whole lot to say about how we manage our words. Our ability or our inability to control our tongue will determine the success or the failure rate that we have within the relationships that we have in life. And so it's how we deal with one another. I've had many people or met many people through the years as well as many of you. People that are just so harsh and they're just so curt and they're so unpredictable. 
you really never know what the outcome is going to be. I've, I have felt like I've made some people just fight mad by saying good morning. You ever met people that way? <laughs> you, just, you just don't ever know how they're going to respond. And so I'm, I'm going to tell you how I deal with that, and, and uh, you may not agree, and you may agree yourself, but, but when, whenever I, I know I'm around somebody that's pretty unpredictable, I kind of keep my distance because I'm kind of fond of my legs, and I don't want to get cut off at the knees anymore. Amen? And so when people have these unpredictable responses, you never know how they're going to be or you may know that they're always going to be sarcastic or negative or they're always going to be curt or harsh. And so we often just keep a distance and, and uh, that kind of is something we probably do for survival. But I've, I've often watched, I've lived long enough now to, to, to watch these individuals spend an entire lifetime what I call chasing people away by their antics and their actions. And then they wonder why they're all alone at the end of life's journey. Amen. So you better be careful. I heard someone the other day say, and I don't know if I've quoted this publicly or not. I have several times, one-on-one. -on -one. But I heard someone very famous say one time, he said, it doesn't matter how you treat people on your way up if you're never planning on coming back down. <laughs> if you're never planning on coming back down, you just treat everybody how you want to treat them. But you see, on the way back down, you might meet some of those people that you blew right past in all of your pursuits. And so I don't want to be that individual. I don't want to be that person that has allied myself to an island of loneliness by the way I've treated them through the years. And so we, we can't be that way. That's not what God has called us to be. Proverbs 18 and 21, the Bible says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it, shall eat the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I believe I'm speaking to people that can relate to what uh, Solomon is saying here, that we've had people that breathe life into us by some of the words that they have said. We've also had people that we felt like almost took the life out of us just by the words that they said. Amen? Anybody ever been there? Sure. James said this, James 3 and 6, and the tongue is a fire a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body. It setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell, the tongue. So we all know people that, that find it so easy to express themselves. You, know, just, you never have to wonder what they're thinking. They have no trouble saying what's on their mind. And most people, uh, I'm just going to be direct tonight, but most people like that are very small-minded. And so it doesn't take somebody small-minded long to speak their mind. It's all out in just a sentence. Some of them have no con concept or no concern about the consequences of what's said. And I'm, I'm going to tell you as someone who understands and as someone who's been there, and I'm speaking to people who have been there, that you can't take back words. I've said things that if I could have just caught those words not five days down the road, not five weeks down the road, if I could have caught them right there, I would have pulled them back, but it's too late because you can't unsay something. You can't unring a bell, and you can't put a genie back in a bottle. And so that's why we've got to be very, very careful before we just blurt out something that's on our mind. As long, some people feel like as long as they've communicated their opinion, I've heard people say things and then, and then try to excuse it all by saying, well, I just say what's on my mind. I just speak what's on my mind, as though somehow that makes it all right. There's no more, there's no more, uh, 
there's more rather I should say to communicating this than just trying to string a few words together. It's how they're strung together and how you say things. The Bible teaches us a different pr approach about conversation and it teaches us to use our words. Solomon teaches us to use our words sparingly and to speak carefully and to speak with great caution. It should go without saying, but, but we really need to begin talking about our speech. We really need to begin with the truth. And so what we say should be honest. Amen. Now that sounds a little bit like a given here among uh, a bunch of Bible-believing folk, but we need to be very careful that we tell the truth. We train up our children to tell the truth. You need to tell the truth. But that's a concept that can't be lost to us in our adulthood. Exodus 20 and 7 says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. We ought to be very careful that we speak not only the truth, but that we speak the truth cleanly. We live in a very vile world, a very a world filled with a lot of a lot of hatefulness and a lot of sinfulness, and so a lot of people taking the name of the Lord in vain. They said, "Don't take the name of the Lord in vain." First Peter says, "For he that will love his life, First Peter three ten, for he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil." and his lips that they speak no guile. Let his lips or tongue speak no evil, his lips speak no guile. So we got to be very careful that we don't take the name of the Lord in vain, that we speak truth when we speak. Proverbs 6 and 16 and uh, through 19, the Bible says, and, and listen carefully because there are several things mentioned here. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven, are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and a heart that deceiveth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Now, I think it's interesting to note that three of the seven things that the Bible speaks of says that, that God hates, three of these seven things that God hates has to do with speaking lies, are speaking in a destructive manner. It has to do with our speech. Three of the seven things that God hates has to do with how we talk. And so we better be very careful how we talk. Vulgar language, evil speaking, it should not be habits that we indulge ourselves in. And it doesn't matter who we are or where we come from or what our background is because if we've really been born again, then we got a fresh start. And so we've been born again with a clean slate. And so I pray that God would anoint my mind and my heart and my, and my, and my actions would follow that, that very prayer. However, we can't just stop at those three things and say, well, if we do this, we're all, we're all okay. Because there's so many more things for us to consider in the overall scope of things. We've got to know how uh, to find some guidelines or some principles uh, about how we can manage and there's a lot of people that say I know that's in the word of God I know what the Bible says about it but how do we do that we've got to figure out some guidelines some way to manage what God is asking us to do and so the word of God gives us those guidelines when we're called on to speak to begin with we need to learn how to, to think first and then speak second yeah maybe I, you may feel like I'm insulting your intelligence tonight but this is the word of God. To think first and then to speak second. 
I've learned several things over the years, but by all means, I will tell you this. I'm still a student. I'm a work in progress. But I'll share a few things that I have found helpful along the way. You don't have to say everything that you know just because you've been called on to speak. Amen. Some things are just left better unsaid. There's going to be times in our life where we have knowledge of things, but you're going to have to be very discreet in how you provide that knowledge to others because your words may have the power to tear down somebody that's brand new in the Lord or those same words also may have the ability to tear down somebody that's in the church but they're just struggling because we've all been there, right? And so we may also taint someone else's opinion about another person or another situation. And so just because you know something is not a means that, that we have to tell everything that we know. We have to be very discreet in that. So we have to determine if the time is right or if it's even necessary at all to say things. I was thinking about before service tonight about how many, no way would I have been able to have kept up with the situations through the years where just people in our church or people associated with the church physically had been through an illness or perhaps even been through a surgical procedure, but something happened and they needed another surgical procedure on the heels of that. And the doctors were sitting there saying, we know what to do and this is what needs to be done, but we're not sure that the body is, can take that right now. And so we're going to have to kind of sustain this for a little, a little while because we know what to do. We know what ought to be done. But they're just not in the condition physically to be able to take that procedure at this particular moment. And so we need to realize that I've got to determine if this is the right time. I, I know what to say, is, but is this the right time? Can that person take that at this particular time? Or is it even necessary to say? Some things, I, again, will say are better left unsaid. Remember, just because you've heard something about someone or about some situation doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Now, here's a scenario we've all been guilty of. We've heard of some situation, and maybe it was a situation in the church, maybe it was some situation on the news, some breaking headline, and we formed an opinion. Oh, yes, we did, because we're human. And then all of a sudden, a few days later, the other side of the story starts trickling out, and then we go, wow. Well, you know, that makes a huge difference because I only had part of the information, was only working about on part of the entire story. And so just because we've heard something doesn't mean about someone or about some situation doesn't necessarily mean it's true. And if even if it's true, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to say it. That's right. Because if what you say doesn't build somebody up, if it doesn't lift them up, if it doesn't fix the situation or bring glory to the Lord, then you're better off keeping silent. Years ago, I heard Brother Pat Williams' dad, Brother Jesse Williams, he, he made a statement. He said, if you're not part of the problem or part of the solution, you need to stay out of it. Now, that's pretty simple math, isn't it? <laughs> and so you can ask yourself, am I part of the problem? No. Am I part of the solution? No. Not my problem. I don't have to worry about this at all. So if I'm not part of the problem, not part of the solution, then I need to extract myself out of that situation and not create a riotous atmosphere. Proverbs, 20, Proverbs 17 and 27, the Bible says, He that hath knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. He that hath knowledge spares his words. 
very carefully, uses a few words. James admonishes us in 119 to be swift to hear, but slow to speak. Even in creation, the Lord gives us a little bit less than subtle hint of this because he gave us two ears and one mouth. I'll let you do the math there. So we just need to listen and let the Spirit of God work out several things and be slow to speak. So before we speak, I've got to consider whether or not what I say is going to contribute health to this situation or whether or not what I know even ought to be said. Maybe it should be left unsaid. And, and, uh, and even if I know a lot, I don't have to say everything that I know. I'm using me. Plug yourself into those illustrations. And so we may know things, but they're better off left unsaid. The second thing is we don't have to say everything that we think. Some people are just simply do not have a filter between here and here. And I, I, I've tried to figure out several ways to make that a little bit nicer way to put that, but it's just the truth. There's just nothing to stop. Whatever thought comes into their head, they just belch it out, and there it is. And if you're strong enough to survive, God bless you. If you're not, we're praying for you. And what a sad way to live your life. It passes through their mind, so they just let it fly right out of their mouth. And, and, and uh, we can fall into this habit unintentionally, but we need to be very, very careful that, we, that it doesn't become a habit. Think about what Solomon said in the 17th chapter of Proverbs in verse 28. He said, Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. Say that slow. Even a fool. When he holds his peace, is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed as a man of understanding. And he may be dumb as a stump, but he had enough sense to not open his mouth. So even a fool, when he holds his peace, is counted wise. So before we speak, there's an old adage that says this, it's better to remain silent and appear a fool than to, than to speak up and remove all doubt. <laughs> Just because you've heard something doesn't mean you have to repeat it. There are so many problems. You know, gossip is almost, uh, I think, not taken nearly as serious as it should be because it can be a very damaging thing. Gossip, not, gossip doesn't just happen in church, by the way. You know, gossip goes on on the job. And, you know, I've met people through the years, especially maybe just as an illustration, somebody that works at a factory, you know, some little chatter can start about layoffs, and before you know it, the whole company by 5 o'clock is bankrupt. And it just, it just incites a riotous nature and spirit in the, in the heart of people. And so just because you hear something doesn't mean that you have to repeat it. So many problems that go with repeating things. It's difficult to only mention a few, but here's my best effort. One of the things, one of the reasons that we shouldn't repeat something is because it may not, what you heard may not be completely true. There may be trace elements of truth. There may be some truth to that. But gossip tends to get embellished as it's passed from one lip to another, and one family to another. And so we need to take gossip seriously because it can be very, very damaging. It can be fatal. Amen. I'm speaking to people that have been on the receiving end of that. You know how fatal that can be. And so we had to realize what, what damage can come by those words. Again, Solomon 16 and 28, the Bible says, A froward man 
soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. <laughs> There's something about when somebody whispers, it just makes you lean in, don't it? Because you know it's going to be good if you can't say it all the way out loud. This is going to be good. So you got to lean in. But he said, <laughs> he said, a whisper can separate chief friends. That's what a whisper can do. And so, you know, sometimes we're worried about somebody that's standing on the rooftop beating their chest. That, that fellow may not be nearly as dangerous as somebody in the corner whispering because what they're sharing may be lethal. That's something to think about. The word froward means to, to be evil or perverted. And so when we talk bad about someone, God considers that perverted. And so that's really something to think about, isn't it? A froward man soweth strife. So it may seem hard to believe, but here's what the Bible says in 17 and 9 of Proverbs. He that covereth a transgression seeketh love. You know, the Bible talks about love or charity covering a multitude of sin. This is not talking about, you know, trying to sweep, sweep sinful things under the rug, protect our friends and the good buddy system and things of that nature. That's not at all what the New Testament is referring to and certainly not what Solomon is referring to. But the Bible says that he that covereth a transgression is seeking love, but he that repeateth the matter separateth very friends, are good friends. And so someone that is, that is trying to, to not gloss over sin, but somebody who is trying to keep something quiet long enough for there to be a chance for survival is somebody that is trying to seek love. They're trying to add love to that situation. And so if you uh, just repeat everything that you hear, that can destroy relationships. You don't have to repeat everything that you hear. The first step to managing our speech is to, is to consider not saying anything at all. I just have nothing to add to that. I don't want to know. You know, if there were just some way uh, that you could step through some laser beam and just unforget stuff, wouldn't that be wonderful? I knew some people wouldn't be comfortable with that, but I would love to do that from time to time and just unhear things and unsee something. And then often from, uh, take this in the spirit that I say it in, but often from the vantage point where I stand, I watch people run around trying to gather up all the news they can about everybody they can. And I think you're, you're, gonna, you're loading your wagon so heavy that tomorrow you're not even going to be able to pull that thing. And so it's all I can do to keep my own front porch swept. Can I get a hearty amen? <laughs> and so pardon me if I don't show up to sweep yours. I'm working on mine. And so we have to consider not saying anything at all. The second thing to consider is whether or not we have all the facts. And we may not have everything that needs to be uh, a part of that particular matter. Speaking without all the facts can do tremendous, tremendous damage. The Bible says in Proverbs 18 and 13, He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame to him. And so, you know, if, if Brother Jerry and Sister Jennifer, they just, at 3 o'clock in the morning, they call me and they're just throwing potatoes at each other. And he shows up at my house telling me all about Jennifer. If I just form an opinion, before I hear Jennifer's side of the story, I'm probably going to make a fool out of myself. Amen? So, so y'all come together. That's what I'm saying. When you come over, come together. <laughs> Even if you make him ride in the back, make this come together. 
He said, he that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it's folly and a shame unto him. And so we need all of the facts. Remember Proverbs 17, 27, the Bible says, he that hath knowledge spareth his words. He just spares his words, speaking carefully, considering whether or not you have enough facts to even weigh in on that or have an opinion about that. Thirdly, consider the best way to say what needs to be said. Now, we don't live in a perfect world, and I'm sure you're aware of that. And sometimes they're, they're, we're called on to just deal with situations that aren't pleasant. And we have to say things that aren't pleasant. But our words will carry far more weight if we make the effort to say them well. Sometimes they're just things that need to be said. Amen? You've had to deal with situations in your own life, your own family, things that maybe need to be said. But we need to weigh them carefully. Gauge ourselves, guard ourselves. The Bible says in, again, Proverbs 15, 23, a man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, a word spoken in due season. How good is it? How good is it? A word spoken in that season of time where we're receptive to hear that. And so it takes effort and it takes a lot of thought to make sure that we say the right thing the right way. And so we can do it, obviously, the wrong way, and even the, the right thing the wrong way can still have damaging results. And so we pray for that season and that time. And I'm certainly not alone in this, but I, I not only ask the Lord for what to say, but I ask the Lord to present an opportunity to me for me to say that. Because, you see, God can give you what to say, but now we've got to find the right time to insert that. Because if, we, if it's not a due season, if it's an undue season, then it can be a, a very sad effect. Proverbs 15 and 1, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Now we've met people that just have a peaceable spirit, right? You've just met them. They just bring peace into whatever the situation is. And man, I just love being around people like that. But we, we also know people that are just, they can just stir up, the mo just walk in a room. They don't have to say anything. There's just something anxious about their nature and their spirit. You, you may be seated. <laughs> it just doesn't matter how trivial the matter is. They've just got a riotous nature. And they can make something out of absolutely nothing. I don't want to be that person. I want to be the opposite of that. A soft answer turneth away wrath. But grievous words, he says, stir up anger. So that's a passage that admonishes us to always be soft in our answers and, and, and then in addition to that, to be sure that we don't stir up strife. That sounds wonderful and that's something that we all should strive for, but as I said earlier, we don't live in a perfect world. James says in James 3 and 2, and I want you to look at this carefully. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Now James is speaking very, very elaborately. If a man, if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. The word perfect here means complete or mature. And so he is not only able to just tame his tongue, but he's able to also bridle the entire body. And so many people may think that, that it's impossible to control the tongue. However, the ability to control the tongue is a mark of true Christian maturity. And so he said, really, you need to realize this, that if any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man. And I think tonight that we would 
clearly be in a group of people that would admit that we are a work in progress. And so what I'm getting at is this, is that we need to be striving for James 3 and 2 every day of our life. But if we think we're going to go through our life and never say the wrong thing or the right thing out of season, we're kidding ourselves. I'm reaching for that. I've got to be very careful that I have and to understand that I have the ability in my tongue of life and I also have the ability of death. And so I need to be very, very careful when a matter is presented that we don't take somebody's life in that. When Jesus confronted the religious leaders and, and, uh, about the accusations that had been levied against him, here's what Jesus said in Matthew 12. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm going to tell you that that passage of Scripture is something that I live with on a daily basis. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And so I want to make sure that my heart is right. You know, we've, we've heard and just and even experienced in recent weeks uh, uh, friends and acquaintances that uh, had situations in their lives. One lady in particular <clears throat> that was just 48 years old, just a few weeks ago we attended her funeral who had cancer had just ravaged throughout her body and she didn't even know anything about it. And it was, uh, she had no indicator of that. Her family obviously had no indication of that. And uh, she is diagnosed one day and in less than 24 hours she is out of this world. And we're just, those things just shock us. Nothing can prepare you for that. But here's something that I try to take with me to the altar every morning is this, that if I can have something in my body and not realize it. Is it possible that I can have something deadly in my spirit and not realize it? Amen. So I don't want to just say, well, I, I feel good, so I must be in perfect health, realizing that there could be a, and I'm not trying to just strike fear in our heart, but I just want to, 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 uh, to, to wake us spiritually, that if, if we can have something physically that can take us out of this world and we don't even have any indication of it right now, but it's still there lurking, then why couldn't we have something in our spirit the same way that could take us out? And so I want to pray every day, God, I want you to help me reveal, reveal to me. I want to stand before you. I don't want to be pretentious in my prayer. I don't want to be pretentious in my walk with you, but I want to make sure that I am absolutely pure before you because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's a very important passage of Scripture, and I personally find that to be a very convicting passage of Scripture. But that almost pales in comparison to Matthew 12 and 36 when the Scripture says, I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Wow. Every idle word. We, we need to be very, very selective in our speech. That scripture places to me a tremendous weight upon the responsibility of having to speak into a situation because I'm going to have to give an account for every idle word. Malachi even refers, I think it's Malachi 3.16, even refers to the fact that God keeps a record of our conversations. But think about that. I want to be very, very careful about what I allow just to fly out of these lips because I'm going to have to give an account for that. As our musicians make their way to the platform, let me close by saying this. There's no way of going through life without having to confront something or someone. That's just the nature of the beast. That's not even really the issue that's on the table before us this evening. 
It's not about whether or not we're going to have to speak up or speak into a situation. We're going to have to do that at some point. So the issue before us is that we, may, we must take time to make sure that I deal with these situations as God would have me to deal with them and that I speak into that situation as God would have me to speak into that. Whether that is corporately as a church or whether that is individually as a family, I've got to make sure that God gives me the right words and the right direction. And so as fathers and husbands and, and um, a friend, we've got to make sure that God gives us the right thing to say at the right time. We've got to look for the best way to say what needs to be said. And that can happen many, many times through meditating and just thinking about, just slowing down. Because I might have packaged it one way a few moments ago, a couple of hours from then, I might figure out a better way to package that and bring that word. A very encouraging word to me is found in Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life. That's encouraging to me, but it's also frightening. It's frightening when we think about it in the terms of death, but it's encouraging when I think about it in terms of life, that we can speak a word that would encourage someone and, and strengthen them. Just a few weeks ago, we were convening for our camp meeting, and uh, on Wednesday evening before camp was to start that night, I was in uh, the motel. We were just resting a few minutes before church, and I was just sitting, <clears throat> sitting in the room and I was reflecting on where I was many years before. A particular trial that I was going through, a, just a bad spot in my life. And I just really needed some strength and I needed a word from the Lord. I, I needed not just a pat on the back, I needed the Lord to impart something into my heart and spirit. And it was during that camp meeting that the Lord used a man in particular to just minister. He was doing the, the day sessions. And every day it was just like God had connected his spirit to mine. And the Lord just breathed life back into me. And I thought about where I was at that particular place and what I needed. And God knew exactly what I needed. So he allowed our lives to merge. So while I was sitting there thinking about that, I sent him a text message. And I just said, I want to thank you for what you did so many years ago. I've told him that through the years a few times. I just got to thinking about the, the words of life. Life was in the tongue. Life was in the tongue. As he began to speak under the anointing of God, God used that man and his word to just encourage, and, and I was a recipient of that firsthand. And so whether we are speaking face-to-face -to, -face to someone or about them or whether we're talking behind their back, we need to speak as one that can lift them up and encourage and strengthen them. I, I have friends who just, it just seems like every time I get off the phone with them or I walk away from their, uh, a conversation with them or we're our ways part, we just feel better about the time that we spent together. And because of that, I strive to be that kind of friend to others. That's the person that I want to be. I don't want to be someone that's always tearing down, ripping up. Amen? Let's stand together. Words have tremendous power. And we need to make sure that we use them carefully. Proverbs 13 and 3, He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. But he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. 
I'm returning now to our opening text in Proverbs 10, 19. In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. The more you talk, the more likely you are to sin. The more likely you are to err. And so we'd have been way better off just to keep quiet, to measure our words. My wife and I were considering making a purchase a few weeks ago about something the sales representative came out and um, I say this kindly but I just use it as an illustration to close that at first I was interested in buying the product but by the time she got through talking she had completely talked me out of it because I just didn't think I could bear another minute because she just didn't know when, and it just happened it was a she, because that same thing has happened with men as well. But just talking on and on and on and on and on, in many, many words, much words. Because in those much words, she got so tangled up, and I actually caught her in a story. <laughs> because she got so tied up about what she was telling me earlier, and I went back to that, and I thought, you know, and it wasn't even relevant to the sale or not sale. And I just thought, Lord, help us today. That in the multitude of words, when you open your mouth wide, you can sure sin. And certainly, if we open it wide, we can eventually get our foot in it. And so let's be careful that we don't do that. Amen? Here's what we're thinking. Here's what we've discussed. When we're faced with a situation, we have to ask ourselves whether or not we should say anything at all. Because many times, something unspoken is best. Whether or not I have all the facts, whether or not I know any, all that there needs to know about it. Or if, in fact, I'm faced with a situation where I've just got to rise and speak to it or speak into it, then I need to be wise in what I say and ask God to help me to measure my words and weigh them very carefully. And in guarding our lips in, our, in this fashion, what we really do is wind up, we guard our lives. We strengthen our relationships with one another and we encourage those around us to a closer walk with the Lord. Amen. I'm so thankful those, for those people that know just what to say and how to say it. And they can just bless our lives. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. Lord, I love you today. I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for your spirit and for allowing us to be here tonight. And Lord, I pray tonight that we'll receive this word into our heart and our lives. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.